Hey, welcome uh, to The Revealing. This is Pastor Frank at One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville. Uh, we hope uh, everybody is uh, staying safe and uh, enjoying their time with family at home. Uh, we know we're living through a, a, a pretty rough time, but uh, hopefully we can take this time and just uh, be able to uh, just uh, reflect on some things and, and be able to uh, remember uh, that uh, time with family is important. And uh, although, uh, you know, we're not able to get out and about, uh, being able to stay home and uh, be able to hang out uh, with our friends and family uh, is, a, is an awesome time as well. Uh, obviously, with everything that's going on, uh, we have uh, halted our recordings of The Revealing uh, and, uh, uh, for, you know, for the obvious reasons of staying safe. Uh, so what we thought we would do uh, for uh, the uh, uh, upcoming weeks is uh, maybe give you some uh, uh, some excerpts of some of our preaching that we do here at One Baptist Church in Jacksonville. Uh, what we're going to do instead of uh, uh, bringing you uh, the revealing crew, uh, we're going to take some weeks off here uh, for uh, the foreseeable future and uh, just uh, play some recordings that we've done uh, at our church uh, in One Baptist Jacks. Uh, so hopefully you'll enjoy those things. Uh, again, uh, stay safe, and uh, the Revealing crew will be coming back at you live here soon. Uh, so we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. You know, we live in such a uh, difficult time, uh, obviously, due to uh, the nature uh, of everything uh, that is um, uh, going on. Uh, but, uh, you know, the one thing that we need to remember uh, that without question, uh, God is still in control. Uh, God certainly isn't surprised by anything that has taken place. Uh, this certainly hasn't uh, uh, caught him by surprise, if I could say it that way. Uh, and uh, uh, he certainly knows uh, what... Uh, what is uh, going on, and he certainly knows how to uh, take care of the situation. Um, listen, you know, at, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, um, you know, if, if we're Bible believers, uh, you know, it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. Uh, the world's not headed towards a, uh, you know, uh, good things until the Lord returns. Amen? And so... Uh, we have to make sure we keep it in perspective of the, uh, the time that we're living in and we keep it in perspective of uh, the fact that uh, there's no doubt about it, uh, the Lord is coming and uh, when he comes, he'll make all things right. And uh, until that time is, uh, we will just uh, continue to give him the glory he deserves and uh, uh, keep him on the throne where he belongs. Amen. All right. So, um, Man, I really struggled, uh, to be honest with you, how I wanted to approach today's message. Uh, for, for those of you that may be listening for the first or maybe even second time, uh, over the course of the last uh, two years, we've been uh, talking about the book of Acts. Um, and then uh, what we've done is that uh, at every moment within the book of Acts, uh, we've come to a particular book that was written. We stopped and we did an overview of the book. Uh, we've We've done that quite a few times. We, we had to stop when we got to James and, and Matthew. Uh, we had to stop when we got to Mark and, and First and Second Thessalonians and First Corinthians and Galatians. Um, but we're at that point in Paul's ministry now. Uh, he's over in uh, Greece, Greece uh, most likely in the city of Corinth. And he writes this book called Romans. 
And Romans is, is probably uh, one of the most important books when it comes to understanding um, uh, salvation, uh, but also uh, the sin problem. Uh, you know, unfortunately, many people, uh, I don't say many, we've had a few people uh, that have come through our church that, uh, you know, may think that I preach too hard or I'm too uh, whatever, whatever the word they, they, they you know, people have used. Uh, but listen, I just want to say that, you know, at the end of the day, either the Bible is the authority or it's not. And, and, and for me, I've come to the place in my life where I've recognized that what I am without Jesus has to be biblical. I, I can't make up my own self-righteousness. Because if I do that, then I'm only going to put myself in a place where I don't belong. And that's on the throne of my own life. And at the end of the day, when, when you get to this book of Romans, man, uh, it really lays out the realities of our problem. And so we've spent the last 10 weeks, and we've, this is the only book we've actually spent this much time in, uh, outside of uh, obviously going through Acts. And we did that on purpose because I do think that we need to pause here for a minute and just make sure we understand what this really is all about and really what the problem is. And so for the last 10 weeks, uh, we have done uh, messages that have uh, centered around three major uh, uh, emphasis that Paul's making in the first eight to 10 chapters of Romans. And those three major emphasis are simply this, in a nutshell, if I can say it as quick as possible. Number one, we all have a body. That body is a vessel for something. When we are born into this world, and as we develop, and as we grow up into uh, men and women, what that body is, is, is harboring is a dead spirit and a, uh, a, a wicked soul that's destined for a devil's hell. The body within itself isn't the problem. It's the heart of man that's the problem that translate into what man thinks, that translates into what man does. Hence the reason why uh, Paul says in Romans, uh, for in my flesh dwells no good thing. See, our body is associated biblically with the spiritual aspect called the flesh, or uh, you might also see word, the word called members, okay? That's the body. Then he moves on and he starts talking about this thing about a spirit. And we're not talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the spirit within man. And what you need to understand is that the spirit within man is dead. It is, uh, uh, has no capacity to bring glory to God in its dead state. Okay? That because that dead state of the spirit of man is where it is, what we found as we studied it out uh, is that the spirit is associated with man's mind. And when our mind is corrupted, it is obviously going to be bent toward corrupted things. Okay? Then we finally looked at the third thing that Paul talks about, and that is uh, the soul. Uh, and we correlated that, and we saw in the last couple of weeks how the soul correlates with the heart. And despite what we have been taught today, 
the heart is not uh, a place of emotions. Uh, actually, the heart is the place of who we intricately really are. It, it shows forth the real you, the real me. And what comes out of the heart will ultimately uh, give uh, its uh, 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 undoubt undoubtedly, uh, uh, because the, the, the heart is deceitful uh, and desperately wicked who can know it, uh, Jeremiah tells us, what's going to come out of it is a transfer of, of, of incorrect thoughts in the mind that's going to lead to incorrect actions ultimately wickedness, sin, iniquity. These are the three areas that Paul is hammering home in the book of Romans. We've done that over the last 10 weeks, and I, I highly encourage you, man, if you really want to get into a good deep study and really look at the Bible verses to, to kind of to really grab onto all of that, um, man, go back and listen. We've got all of our messages online, uh, and it's certainly worthwhile to do so. Um, the point that I was trying to make leads us up to today's message. Ultimately, this is the culmination of it all. So if you're here today and you're listening and you haven't heard those last messages, listen, this is the culmination, man. This is going to help you a lot. If you just sit back and pay attention and really listen to what God's word has to say. And, and, and man, I promise you by the time we're done, you're going to really understand some things in the way this world is working right now and, and, and where we fit in all of this. Okay. Um, but here was my big thing that I had a hard time with. Either I was going to make this message message two parts, or I was going to have to try to figure out how I was going to fit it all into one. And to be honest with you, I really don't think we could do it justice breaking it up into two parts. I think we got to try to fit it all into one. And so I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to go the, as quick as I can go. Uh, and I'm going to make the points I need to make. We uh, are trying to make sure we're done around 12 o'clock. Please forgive me if I go a little over today. I think the message is worth it. And it's that important uh, that I don't know that any of us really have anywhere else to go anyways. So let's just, for, for whatever time it takes, Let's just let God speak to us right now. Let's open our ears. Let's let everything else go. And let's give the next hour, hour and a half, whatever it may take to God. And let's see what he has to say. Because I really believe if we get what we're talking about today, I don't know where we are in our Christian walk, but I'll tell you this, wherever you are, it's going to propel you into where you should be. Because you're going to understand some things and you're going to see them from the way God sees them. And, and, and can I encourage you? Stop trying to see them from the way you see them or the way the famous pastor sees them or the way the famous book that you read. State. There's only one book that matters. When it comes to God and what God thinks, there's only one book that matters. That's the Bible. There is no other books. That's it. And so we have to allow the Bible to be the authority or else we give man the ability to be the authority. And man, that's a problem. That's a major problem. And so I just encourage you, man, uh, let's just sit back. This is recorded. The PowerPoint will be available. If, if you go, just take it all in right now. 
Don't worry about taking notes. Don't worry, just take it in and, and, and go back, re-listen to the message. If you send me a, a message, I'll email you the PowerPoint, man, and then you can kind of go back and take it slowly and go through. I think it's this important, that important. Because if we get this, not only will it help us, but it'll help all of the people around us that we have been in charge and indebted to, to helping because of what God has done for us. All right, we're in Romans. So uh, let's, 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 let's take a look at this, chapter number one. It says, man in times past, okay, and, and we're going to pick it up here in ver around verse number 18, um, uh, and, and because that's the scope of where I want to go with this. Uh, so, so get this, man in times past knew God. This is clear. But, but man did not want to honor him as God. Instead of being thankful for all that God had given him, man refused to thank God or give him the glory he deserves. This is the state of man as we know it, okay? God was the creator. Man fell. Man wanted to be like God, little g God. They wanted to be in control of their own destiny, if they will. They knew there was a God, but they forgot to give honor and glory to him. And because of all that, became unthankful to him. That's basically, in a nutshell, the story of the first eight or nine chapters of Genesis. Obviously, nothing's changed. That, that, that has continued to take place. Man uh, has always been willing, now get this, to use God's gifts. God gives every man gifts. He gives them physical gifts and spiritual gifts. See, we have no problem using God's gifts that he has given us. He's given us gifts to sing. He's given us gifts to, to do manual labor. He's given all the different gifts that God has given to us. Man has never had an issue using those gifts. But what man didn't do with those gifts is utilize them, uh, and, and we're not willing to use them, if I can say it that way, for the proper praise and worship that was due God's name for the reason why he gave the gifts in the first place. The result uh, was this. Now, now watch, okay? I'm basically preaching the first three chapters of Romans. Watch. What the result was, an empty, wicked mind and a darkened heart that bent men's flesh to sin. Man the worshiper became man the philosopher, but his empty wisdom only revealed his foolishness, 1 Corinthians 2. Having held down God's truth and refusing to acknowledge God's glory, man was uh, left without a God. And so what man does, because man was designed to worship something, what man did is made himself the God within to worship. And so if man won't worship a true God, he in, in, in fact will then worship something. And ultimately what he has, has worshiped and, and has manufactured is a worshiping of, of self. And, and, and this fact about man accounts for his propensity to idolatry. Man exchanged the glory of the true God for substitute gods. Uh, he exchanged glory for shame, incorruption for corruption, and the truth of God for lies. Note that first on the list of false gods is man. This fulfills Satan's purpose when he told Eve, you will be like God, Genesis 3, 5. From idolatry to immorality, uh, it, it's just one short step. 
if man is his own God, then he can do whatever he pleases and fulfill his desires without fear of judgment. We reach the climax of man's battle with God's truth when man exchanges the truth of God for the lie and abandons truth completely. The lie is that man is his own God and he should worship and serve himself and not the creator. This is the backstory to Romans chapter number one. And it all starts with Romans 1.18, where it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So what I want you to understand is Paul was a Roman. He was, he, although he was Jewish, uh, he had Roman citizenship. And although he was a Pharisee, he certainly understood the laws of the Roman government. And so what he does when he writes this book to Rome, the Romans, he writes it in such a way that those people in Rome would understand. They were all into politics. They were all into government. And so what Paul does is he takes this book and he lays it out as a court case. Okay? So pretty simple uh, that they would all understand. And by the way, in our Western culture, we have adopted a lot of the, the, the government of the Roman Empire, uh, whether you know that or not, we have. Okay? And, and within all of that, obviously for us, it's very relevant. We're going to understand it. And so it starts with this. Okay? It's like this. An arrest warrant was issued. Okay? Pretty simple, right? And here's the arrest warrant that was issued. John, uh, the writer, the apostle says this. He that believeth not is condemned already. So man has a desperately wicked heart that has a, uh, a, a dead spirit whose mind has been corrupted, whose vessel is empty and broken, and is only that vessel is only bent on doing wicked deeds because in that flesh dwells no good thing. So that man is then, by announcement by God, condemned already. The arrest warrant has been issued. Uh, John three thirty six says, "But the wrath of God abides on him." Man has been issued the arrest warrant. This leads to verse nineteen and twenty, which says this. Because that, which may be known of God, is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And by the way, I think it's interesting that Paul is making mention to the Godhead right now, because the Godhead is the Father, which represents the soul, the Son, which represents the body, and the Holy Spirit, which represents the spirit of man. He's making that point. He's emphasizing that to let us know, hey, your body, your soul, and your spirit are going to be without excuse. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Hebrews 4.12 and 13, for all of you who have been in this message series for the last 10 weeks, should jump into your mind now. So man has been uh, 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 issued the arrest warrant. And in verse uh, uh, 19 and 20, the indictment is being made. Lost men are not uh, indicted for what they do. You get that? 
Lost men are not indicted for what they do. Lost men are indicted for the rejection of truth. And if you go back to John 3.18 and 3.36, notice, he that believeth not, it was a rejection of truth. They're condemned already. Uh, uh, but the, uh, uh, he that believeth not, again, verse 36, it's the rejection of truth is why the wrath of God abides on them. See that? Okay. So it's not about what man does. It's about the rejection of truth. That's the problem. Defining the phrase, uh, uh, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, uh, back in verse number 18. The first invite, indictment is not action, but belief. The basis and motives behind every sin. The indictment is to all regardless of whether they've heard or they have not heard. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. God reveals himself through creation and consciousness. When the creator is rejected, man turns the worship of objects to the worship of objects. The arrest warrant has been issued and the indictment has been made. And now comes what I would call the, uh, the, 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 the greatest uh, trial in all of, that will have been held in all of history when this is all said and done. And, and that's what's called the great white throne judgment. See, the Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die and after this the judgment. And which judgment you go to matters. And if you're sitting there going, well, which judgment am I going to? Well, you might want to figure that out. Now's not the time for me to get into all of that. What I will say is, if you end up at this particular judgment that we have up on the screen right now, um, do know this, uh, it's not going to end well. Uh, this isn't where you want to end up, okay? Uh, this, is, this is not a good place to be. Um, and, 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 and now what's going to happen here uh, as we can go through the rest of the first chapter of Romans, we're going to see a very lengthy passage on man's fallen nature and utter hopelessness. And if I could say it like this, court is now in session. Paul lays out his letter to Romans, as I said, like a, a, a court case, and it opens the door that leads us into God's courtroom. The theme of Romans is the righteousness of God. But Paul had to begin with the unrighteousness of man. I really believe in today's church. I really believe what's being uh, propagated in today's church. We spend so much time trying to emphasize the righteousness of men that we forget the righteousness of God. And, and, and when we do that, we don't realize what we really are without him. And it puts us in a place that we should not be. Until man knows he's a sinner, he cannot appreciate the gracious salvation God offers in Christ. And, and I don't mean just, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. I, no, I mean you actually know you're a sinner, man. You actually know the wickedness of your heart. You actually understand the wickedness of your spirit and how dead it is. And you actually understand that your vessel is bent toward unglory, unrighteousness, and, and is bent towards sin all the time, no matter what, because in your flesh dwells no good thing. Nothing. By the way, folks, this is not Frank Sologio preaching. I'm teaching you the Bible right now, man. This is what Paul is emphasizing. Pa Paul followed the basic biblical pattern that we don't like today, but yet it is the biblical pattern nonetheless. First the law and then condemnation. That is three-fourths of every message in the Bible. It's after three, the three-fourths of the message then comes the grace and the salvation, okay? You got to know who you are and what you are. 
And so in this section, God's going to make three declarations that, that together prove that all men are sinners and need Jesus Christ. But first, what I want to do, if we can, let's take a look at the uh, characters, if you will. Okay? Uh, uh, the judge. The judge is God the Father. Uh, Daniel 9, uh, 7, 9 through 10, I beheld the thrones were cast down, and the ancients of days did sit. Uh, and we see his throne, and the judgment was set, and the books were opened. And by the way, what we learn in, in Matthew is that all judgment was given to the Son. So, so the Father and the Son are the same. They're one. Amen? Okay? Uh, get that. Then we, heard, we learn about the, de the, the defense attorney, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, uh, John, John tells us, is our advocate. He's our, uh, our defense attorney. But, but know that in this story, in Romans, what has happened is the defendant has rejected the defense attorney. You understand that? Okay. In this story in Romans, the defendant, the one that got issued the arrest warrant, that, that the charges were given, I have rejected my defense attorney. Then, of course, we have the bailiff, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the bailiff is issuing the charges against the defendant. And that's Romans 1, 18 through 32, as we're going to see. And then we also have the defendant, and that's the lost sinner. That's potentially you and I, if our relationship with Christ isn't what it should be, or, or if we flat out reject them. And then, of course, we have the prosecuting attorney, which is Satan. And, and Revelation 12, 10 tells us, for he is the accuser of our brethren, and he has accused them before our God day and night. And, and so we see this whole story taking place. And by the way, we're at the great white throne judgment, and Christians aren't going to be there. And let me show you why. Because we're in this story too. Do you want to know what we are? We're the jury. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And the world should be judged by uh, you. Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? See, so Christian, if you think you're going to the great white throne judgment, you, you might want to stop. Consider what your real role is in all of this. Because I don't really think that many Christians do understand their role. I really don't understand, think that many Christians really understand their position. And I don't think because they don't understand their role and their position, they aren't conducting themselves as the Christians as they should be, okay? That's a different time, different story. So now what happens is we get the, the, the reading of the charges. And I like the way I've heard this uh, worded before. It, it's the seven steps to, de to the degeneration of man. Uh, and, and can I say this? The, the ugliest anti-humanity passages are written right here, man, in the Bible, Oh, I thought, the, I thought God was all about love. He is all about love. He needs you to know how bad you are first, though. He needs you to understand the degeneration that man is before he can ever begin to even let you understand how much of a loving God he really is. And listen, it begins with the knowledge of God. Every one of these steps begins with a big, fat I. Man's biggest problem. And by the way, do you understand that was Lucifer's biggest problem? The five I will statements he makes in Isaiah 14. 
so so let's 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 kind of look at this. Look at look at uh, chapter number twenty one. I mean, uh, chapter one, verse twenty one. It says, "Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened." So so get this, okay? The first thing that happens within man, the, the first degeneration that took place is man became indifferent to God, okay? Uh, 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 Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkness. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. Now, listen, man, if you've been with us for the last 10 weeks, all this is starting to go, boom, in your face. Oh, my gosh, just how biblical is this? We have a messed up heart. We have a messed up mind. And then because of all of that, we are indifferent. We are degenerate. We have a major problem. Uh, hence the reason why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.21, for it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring nothing to the understanding of the prudent. In other words, the scripture says that man has educated himself out of the belief of God. This is a significant step away from Romans 121. With such willful rebellion against God, it's a little wonder that their thinking became so futile. When truth is rejected in time, the ability to recognize and receive it becomes impaired. Please hear what I just said. When truth is rejected in time, the ability to recognize and receive it is impaired. Look at John 319. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. When truth is thrown right in their face, man still rejects it. That's number one. Number two, ingratitude, uh, where it says there uh, that they neither were thankful. Uh, listen, uh, the list of perilous times that are going to come in the last days, uh, as noted here in 2 Timothy 3, uh, includes men who will be lovers of their own selves, uh, who will be unthankful, who will be unholy, will be despisers of those that are good, uh, will be high-minded. Uh, by the way, it goes on to say, who, who, who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. These are folks that act like they're godly, act like they're Christians, but their actions are proving what they really are because man is in gratitude to God. They aren't thankful for what God has done for them, and because they're not thankful for what God has done for them, they will not give over that thanks to others. We have to understand what that word charity really means biblically. That's another time, another place. Number, number three, they become vain in their imaginations. Um, uh, uh, their minds are corrupted, if I can say it that way. Uh, Paul, Paul points out in 1 Corinthians one twenty one, the world by wisdom knew not God. Listen, please let me help you understand something. Please hear what I'm about to say. Man's wisdom will never get you to God. Ever, ever. I don't care how famous the author is. 
I don't care how famous the, 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 the songwriter is. I don't care how famous the, 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 the preacher is. I don't care who it is. Man's wisdom will never get you to God. The only way you're going to get to God is through God's word. That's it. What does God's word say? We got to stop falling into these traps of believing stuff just because that's always what we've been taught. That doesn't mean it's right. And at the end of the day, we have to come to the place where our minds, we understand that our minds are very, very simply corrupted. Listen, that is Satan's job, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He's the God of this world, and his what he's doing is he's corrupting the minds of the people. And we go, oh, yeah, he's, got, he's, he's definitely corrupting the mind of the unsaved. Oh, time out. Hold on. The last time I checked, these verses that I'm giving you are, are Paul's writing it to the church. So it can happen in the church, too. And we need to be careful of these things. So uh, not only were our minds corrupted, but now watch, now our foolish heart is darkened. Uh, uh, again, uh, as we said, the light has gone out. Uh, the darkness is not comprehending the truth of things. Uh, that leads us to ignorance. Uh, uh, you know, 1 Timothy 1.17 uh, tells us that the only wise God uh, is the one due honor and glory forever and ever. And instead of professing God to be wise, uh, what we've done now is, the, and what the fools have done is now watch what they've done. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Huh, I wonder if that sounds like a Romans verse. When the true source of wisdom is rejected, the people's claim to be wise is an idle boast. Progressively, they become fools. Uh, look, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, I think of Jeremiah 3.15 where he says, I give you pastors according to my heart, God says, who will teach you knowledge and understanding. And knowledge and understanding biblically translates into true wisdom. So either the pastor is, 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 is fully engaged in God's word so that they can teach knowledge and understanding, or as Jeremiah 12.10 says, that, that there are foolish pastors who have taught things that, are, that are, are destroying God's vineyard because they're not teaching God's word. They're teaching uh, man's wisdom, if you will. This is a very serious thing. And by the way, can I say, this also describes our culture right now. Until man knows his state of sin, Man isn't going to understand true grace. It is the evidence of guilt. Uh, if the evidence of guilt be insufficient or inconclusive, then there's no need in man's mind for a pardon. Hence the reason why man will say things like, well, I'm a good person. You see? See where this all goes to? It's, 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 it's indifferent. It's ignorance. They don't understand what they really are because they haven't allowed God's word to tell them what they really are. They've allowed the famous pastor or the, and I hate to say that, I don't want to, but it's the truth. And man, somebody, somewhere, we have to, some, sometime we have to stand up for God's truth. And if it's true, it's true. God said it was going to happen. So why are we arguing about it? Or why are we thinking that it's not going to happen? Oh man, you got to stop calling out those people. Well, man, if they say something that ain't right and ain't God's word, we got to call them out. God said it was going to happen. 
He said perilous times are going to come. He told us that there are going to be pastors that are going to be eating up his vineyard. Why would we think that that's not going to happen when he told us it's going to happen? And yet then we get mad when somebody wants to call somebody out that's teaching something wrong. Hey, man, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And by the way, it's only wrong if I can show you in the Bible it's wrong. It's not wrong just because somebody thinks it's wrong. Well, hold on a minute. You better make sure, you know, we like to do around One Baptist Church, we say this all a lot, right? If we're saying it, where did he say it? Because if he didn't say it, then why are we saying it? And so I hope you get the principle behind that. Finally, or not finally, but number six uh, comes to image worship. Uh, uh, again, verse number 23 says, and change the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, uh, birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Uh, man's refusal to acknowledge and glorify God leads to a downward path. Uh, first, worthless thinking. Next, moral insensitivity. Then religious, if I can just say it, stupidity uh, as seen in idol worship. When the knowledge of the true and living God is refused, false gods inevitably fill the vacuum. Uh, uh, listen, uh, there's no doubt about that. And can I say it like this? We become like the gods we worship. Whatever God you worship, you're going to become like him. And he said, well, I'm a Christian. Good, man. I'm going to become, eh, be careful. Better make sure you're worshiping the right God. Better make sure you you got the right God in mind when you, when you go down that path. And finally, they violated the glory of God. You know, unfortunately, uh, uh, and maybe even sadly, uh, uh, we live uh, in a day and age uh, uh, where um, man, I just don't know that we're really sure that we really understand what the purpose of the church is, or what we what what we what, that we really understand what the purpose of 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 Christianity is. Christianity wasn't about getting you saved. That's the wrong message. It's a beautiful byproduct. Thank the Lord, but that's not what it's about. It's about bringing God glory. That's what it's about. And if we don't understand what the purpose of the church is, we'll never understand what. See if we continuously. This is what we do, man. We continuously make it about us. It's always about us. It's about what I want, what I get, what I deserve. Well, don't tell me that. You're telling me stuff. I don't want to do that. Who's sitting on the throne, man? Is it you or is it God? So what happens is because of these steps away from God, we have violated certain principles. Now watch. We have violated our conscience. They knew God and glorified him not. We have violated our emotions. We were no longer thankful. Uh, uh, we violated our reasoning faculties, our, 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 our main va uh, vain imaginations. We violated our affections. Our foolish heart was darkened. We violated our intellect, professing themselves to be wise. We became fools. We, we violated our morality. The vessel that was to be clean and holy is now unclean. Uh, and, and ultimately, we violated the glory of God. We worshiped everything but the Creator. This is the state of man. And we have to understand that I don't care if you're a Christian or not. We all have the capacity to do these things 
because until we are with him in our new body, these bodies still can be used for unholiness. They still can be used for unrighteousness. Why? Because we still have the sin nature. And that's why Paul's going to say in Romans, if we had the time to go into it, I'd show you the verses where he says, should we continue in sin? Paul says, God forbid. What? No. Use that body for what it was designed to do. Stop using it for self-glorification and start using it for God-glorification. Man, I'm not sure a lot of Christians understand that. I really don't. So what are the tragic results? And man, I made that in big red because I want you to see that. God gives man up. In a real sense, the result of God's condemnation on rebellious humanity is nothing more than the natural consequences of suppressing truth, ignoring revelation, and perverting God's glory. It's that simple. However, did God more than simply let nature take its course? God acted by abandoning the people. Three times in verse 24, 26, and 28 in Romans 1, uh, he says that God gave them over to. Uh, and what he gave them over to was their corrupt lifestyles. In other words, let's make it pretty simple. God gave them what they asked for. That's what they wanted, so God gave it to them. A man can reject God so completely that God will back away and allow man to do whatever it is man wants to do. Whenever that happens, the degenerative spiral goes into overdrive. And can I just say that the degenerative spiral went into overdrive in America right around the 1950s. We started to give over to some things that, that God was did not want us to be doing. We gave over, we, we started to give over to them. And then all of a sudden, man, the degenerative override went into, went into high gear, man. And now look at the state of America. When a man refuses to face the truth, he must then change it. And you know what man then ends up doing? He starts to rewrite his own history. Man changes three things in this passage. And God gives them up three times. And I want, you, I want you to see them real quick. Number one, man changes the glory of God into something else, uh, the glory of something else, which is ultimately idolatry. Man is hopelessly religious and must worship something. When a man uh, rejects God, he changes him into an object. So God gives him up to uncleanliness, a rampant, degenerate, filthy sins of the flesh. Uh, look at verse number uh, 24. Wherefore, uh, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Uh, so ultimately, uh, what has happened is, uh, and Colossians 3 tells us that covetousness is idolatry. Uh, uh, what, what has happened now is uh, this, this, this reckless, self-serving uh, sexual behavior has now come rampant within man. The frequency of live-in lovers, wife-swapping, group sex parties only confirms what has been going on. Sex within marriage is a holy gift from God, but otherwise sex is impurity and the dishonoring of their own bodies by using them contrary to God's intent. These lusts are deeper than more, mere lust of the bodies. By using them contrary to God's intent, these lusts are deeper uh, are deeper in the fact that it is, is, is really is the lust of the flesh. 
which, of course, comes from the heart. In effect, what we have done is we are taking a gift that God has given for a very specific purpose, marriage and sex, and used it for self-glorification. And somewhere in our warped minds, rewriting history, y'all with me on this? Somewhere in our warped minds, we don't think that there's going to be consequences for that. Huh. So then what God does is gives them up to believing lies. Deliberate rejection. Uh, man changes God's truth. Look at verse uh, 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. More than exchanging the truth of God for a lie, a deliberate perverting of the word of God has taken away, has taken place. Uh, look what Timothy says. Uh, Preach the word. Be instant in season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Remember I told you three-fourths of the Bible is, is, is negative in nature, letting us know our problems? Hey, I know we don't like that, but yeah, that's exactly what the Bible preaches. And it says, for the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Uh, can I just say, man, we're there. <laughs> we are so there. And, and, and boy, uh, have we allowed this to creep into the church uh, without question. Number three, perversion. Uh, uh, man changes nature. Look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even unto the woman to change the natural use unto that which is against nature. Natural order implies a designer. Do you understand that? <laughs> natural order implies a designer. Lost man in full rejection will try to change the design to eliminate the designer. So this whole, whole homosexuality thing, it's more than just accepting people for being gay. Do understand that. We, see, we have simplified it to that. But the fact of the matter is, is that what, we, what ultimately has happened by accepting that is that we have changed the designer. We've eliminated the designer because that's not how he designed man. The bottom line of the gay rights movement is not about love. and It's not about sexual orientation. Although they'll say that it is, the problem is look at what they're saying. It's about changing the design to eliminate the accountability to the designer. The G generation becomes a stronghold and permeates everything around us. Homosexuals define themselves exclusively by their perversion and are proud of it. And sadly, society has become numb to it and is not just openly accepting it. It's now ultimately promoting it. I can't even watch a TV show now without it being all over the place. I'm not saying that I have any issues from a personal standpoint with someone who is homosexual. God loves them like he loves everybody else. And we all have problems too. But to say that homosexuality is not a sin is flat out rejecting the Bible and changing the truth into a lie. And I think it's interesting. God would know that this would be our big problem. And he's laying this out in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, no doubt about it. The ultimate in changing nature is to turn a lie into the truth. 
uh, hence the reasons why you're going to see what homosexuals will say. Well, God made me this way. They blame the designer when they want to eliminate him. It comes full circle to spiritual experience of love. Turning perversion into a positive aspect of God's nature, God is love, man must worship something, why not sex? God gave him over to a passion of disgrace. Listen, I want to say, I'm not hammering this uh, other than to say, this is all part of the problem, okay? We have fallen into uh, idolatry, a love of self. We have deliberately rejected God and his word. And because of all this, we now have fallen into sexual perversions. And that sexual perversions isn't just homosexuality. Those sexual perversions are out, sex outside of marriage and everything that goes along with it, along with adultery and everything else. So I want you to make sure you understand it's not just homosexuality. We all have some problems. Jesus says, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery in your heart. So we fall into these sexual perversions as well. So let's, you know, I just want to make sure you y'all understand. I'm not just trying to uh, hammer away uh, at one different thing, but but I will say this in verse 26. Um, it, it says, "For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against." Uh, so so they received in themselves a, a proper and fitting judgment. I will say this: as interesting as it is, this is Frank. Okay, this isn't necessarily Bible, but take with it what you will. I do think it's interesting that AIDS has no defense. Your immune system is literally destroyed. Uh, and I do think it's interesting what AIDS attacks. Uh, I promise you, you aren't going to meet very many um, um, uh, uh, married people who have AIDS. Who, who are the people are gonna, you're going to meet that have AIDS? It's, it's either sexually promiscuous people or people that have been a part of homosexuality. Do that what you want. What I will say this is, and I'll end right here, people say the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality. And people will say that Jesus never said anything about it. Matter of fact, I've met homosexuals who have their own churches. Okay, hold on a minute. What does Leviticus 18.22 say here? Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13, if a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Their blood shall be upon them. They shall surely be put to death. Oh, that's Old Testament, Frank. Jesus never said anything about it. Hey, can I ask you a question? What was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? What was, the, what was the issues that were going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? There was, among many things, obviously, homosexuality was running rampant. Remember the angels, the men that wanted to have sex with the angels that were men? Remember that? Look what Jesus says. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if thy mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. In other words, what he's saying is, is that all the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah is the reason why God destroyed it. And the number one sin that was going on in you know, where did we get the word sodomy from? I mean, come on, people, let's use our brains a little bit. Let's think about this stuff. Where did it come from? Because the number one sin in Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality, and God destroyed 
Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jesus certainly was speaking against it. So before we start dropping stuff out there like we know what we're talking about, let's make sure we let the Bible be the honest truth. So what happens is God gives them over to this reprobate mind. Um, um, and, and certainly we see this. Uh, 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 the lost do not retain God in their knowledge. And so what ends up happening is they lose ground. When a person rejects God's mind, God allows his mind to be blinded. Uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. I made mention of this earlier. Of whom a God this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Remember what this is all about? Going back to Romans, they didn't believe in the truth. And they turned the truth of God into a lie. It wasn't about what they did. It's about what they believed. Huh? There's, here's where the judgment's coming from. Um, when, when, when God gives a man over to himself, man does what man does and fills up his life with sin. And that's what we're going to see in these uh, remaining verses, starting in verse 29. Uh, it's a downward spiral, continues and it intensifies. So, so okay, so, so man uh, has rejected God, uh, done all those seven different things against God, given themselves over to idolatry, given themselves over to lasciviousness, given themselves over. And now what God is going to do is say, okay, I'm stepping back. And I'm going to give you over to all this stuff. You wanted it. Now what happens? When that happens is man falls into this downward spiral and it intensifies. Watch uh, the tragic re results. Uh, 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 look at verse 31 in uh, uh, Romans 1. Uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, uh, 29. I'm sorry, verse 29. It says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. This is the downward spiral of man when they turn from God. So what happens? What is all unrighteousness? All unrighteousness is a broad statement, including all sin. Uh, John tells us all unrighteousness is sin. Uh, uh, fornication is usually the top of the list. It's the favorite sin of the flesh. Uh, obviously, fornication has everything to do with sexual perversion. Wickedness. Know this, the devil is the wicked one. And he has corrupted our vain minds. Second Corinthians four four again. Uh, covetousness uh, uh, again is defined in Colossians three five as idolatry. We become lovers of self. We put self on the throne. It is the root cause of most sin. Uh, again, it's the I factor. Maliciousness, uh, deliberate, vengeful, intended, premeditated evil, often with the mouth, with desire to injure somebody's. Uh, 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 person uh, verse uh, 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 envy uh, exact envy is the exact opposite of contentment uh, uh, in other words we're wanting what others have murder uh, comes from hate of others in the heart first uh, john three fifteen tells us whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him debate uh, arguments for the sake of an argument only uh 
what basically they're contending against God's truth. Galatians 5.20 says uh, variance, uh, and he's talk, variance is talking about the same idea of debate, uh, debating God's truths, deceit. Uh, again, the heart is, is, is desperately wicked. Uh, who can know it? Um, malignity. Here's a big one, man. And, and man, malignity happens in a lot of churches. It really does. It's, it's cancerous. It's having a, an evil disposition towards others, harboring uh, hate or, or, or being angry or, or being upset uh, or an enmity with the leaders of the church. This is malignity, man, and it's a cancer. It's a cancer in society and it's a cancer in church, okay? And now what's happened is they become whisperers, uh, slanderers and undermining behind the scenes, talking about people behind their backs, if you will, saying things that, that, that are, are, are uh, not worthy to be said. They become backbiters. Uh, they become uh, haters of God. Uh, you know, they hate the ones that are preaching God's word. They hate the ones that are preaching true biblical authority. They become despiteful. They become proud. Uh, they, and by the way, pride is at the top of God's list of hate of the things he hates. They become boasters. They become inventor of evil things. Man, some of the evil things we've invented in our society, huh? Uh, they become disobedient to parents. I mean, if that's not the mark of the last days, I don't know what's going on. The, 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 the generation today, I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, why? Because they're without understanding. Remember, their understanding has been darkened. They, they're covenant breakers. They make oaths. They make promises. And they have no problem breaking them. It's no big deal to them to do it. They're without natural affection. You know, when a woman can take their brand new baby and go throw them in a garbage and let the little brand new infant baby die, I would say that's without natural affection. They become implacable. No one's able to satisfy them. They're always wanting something more. They're stubborn. You can give them an answer, and the answer is never good enough. You ever met anybody like that? Uh, unmerciful, arrogant, self-absorbed, no regard for human life. Man, this is the tragic consequences of sin. This is who we are if we're not careful. Every single one of us has the ability to fall into all of these if we're not careful. That's the point Paul's trying to make. Our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our mind has been corrupted by Satan. And that leads to the actions that our flesh fall into. And here's the list. It's what we are. That's what we are. We're depraved. We're degenerate. And the degeneration becomes complete when you get to Romans one thirty two. Look what it says. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in them that do them. Listen, don't even care. We don't even care that there might be a judgment coming. And you hear it when people say, well, you know, I'll deal with it then. Really? You don't even, you got into a place where you don't even care? Well, what's the consequence? The Bible says the consequence for all of this is death. First is the physical death, the death of the body. And, and by the way, uh, that, the word death means separation. It's a separation of the soul from the body. That is what happens at a physical death. What happens is your body goes back to the ground, uh, your spirit goes back to God who gave it, and then your soul 
now waits for final judgment. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, if you happen to end up at the great white throne judgment, there's this thing called the second death, which is you see here on the, on the screen, Revelation 20. Understand what the second death is. The second death is a spiritual death. It's the separation of the soul from God forever, as your soul is put into a place called the lake of fire forever. This is biblical. This isn't my thoughts or my interpretation or anything like that. Chapter number one, verse 18 to verse number uh, 32, lays out the plan of how desperate man is and that what this is all going to lead to is death. End of story. It's the consequences. The, the whole pattern of evil, ultimately what ha happens when we give up the truth for lies is the lifestyles of people who continue to do the pattern of evil. And not only do they continue to do it, but they fall deeper and deeper and deeper into a downward spiral. And it's in defiance, really, uh, fully knowing that such things deserve death, but yet they encourage others to do the same things. It's crazy. Man, I remember before I got saved, I had a bunch of friends of mine, man. We, we did 90% of this stuff, man. Let's be honest. I ain't gonna lie. We did. I did 90% of these things, man. Can I just say this? I remember we used to always sit around, man, after a night of drinking or whatever, man, hanging out with our boys, doing our thing, man. You know what we would say, man? We would say stupid things like this. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, hell, yeah. Well, who cares? We'll all go to hell, man. We'll get our drinks and we'll all have a good time and we'll just party in hell, man. Open defiance against the judgment of God. There ain't going to be no parties in hell. I promise you that that person you thought was your friend, you're going to be so hating them because they helped you get there. We got to get the right perspective, man. So now what happens is we end up going into this defense case of man. And I don't have the time to go through chapter two like I did chapter one, but I will give you some basic, uh, quick uh, notes for you to, to make mention of for yourself. See, there are five basic arguments of lost men, okay? Number one is the, uh, 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 I am a good person argument, right? We'll say things like, well, I'm better than who and so-and-so. I'm better than Robert, you know, hey, man. Okay, the problem is, okay, uh, when a lost man tries to hide behind morality in defense of his own efforts to gain favor with God, what they've really done is they've made themselves the judge, okay? So when you say something like that, you, you've made yourself the judge. Well, you're better, you're better than who? You have to understand who you're going to be put up against before you can even make a statement like that. Yeah, you might be better than Robert. Yeah, you might be better than me. But the problem is, Robert or me isn't the measuring stick. The measuring stick is Jesus Christ. You better than him? Yeah. That's why, that's why Paul says in Romans 3, there's none good, no, not one. So stop saying you're a good person because you're not the judge. God is the judge. God's judgment is according to truth. No one will escape. Everyone has the same opportunity to escape through Christ. And every man calls his own judgment by his own sin. And at the end of the day, that's the truth. Number two, they'll, they'll, you know, you, get, you know you get, right? What about the heathen? A lost man hiding behind others instead of hiding behind his own fig trees. That's a, that, 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 
his own religion, if you will. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Did you hear that? This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There you go, man. Don't worry about the heathen. The heathen isn't your problem. The heathen is God's problem. And God will take care of the heathen in his own righteous way. Okay? Worry about your, your issues. Uh, stop accusing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, establishing a standard in your own heart that, that you can't perfectly attain to yourself. You know, it's the whole Matthew 7 thing, the beam and moat. You hold others to standards that you refuse to keep yourself. Stop excusing. The opposite is allow or tolerate anything. You ever hear people say stuff like this? Well, everyone else is doing it. Oh, come on, a little bit won't hurt. Each his own. I know when to stop. I can take it or leave it. Oh, it just depends on how you look at it. Hmm. You look at every single one of those particular statements, and please just hear what I'm saying, man. It's a statement of self and glorifying self and making self the judge. And it's a problem. This next one, I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying so you don't get upset, especially if it's the first time you're listening. Um, you know, the defense case. Well, well I'm a Catholic. I'm, I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. You know, it's the lost man hiding behind their religion. It, and can I just say this? The hardest people to win to Christ are the morally religious. Can I say this? Listen to what I'm going to say. All religions have a basic element of good in them. And I will say this, all religions will lead to the same place. Right? Y'all saw y'all see it on the back, right? Coexist. Right? Uh, I agree. All religions have the same element of uh, uh, basic elements of good, and all religions will lead to the same place. You know what that place is called? Hell. Because the Bible is not about a religion. It's not about your Catholicism. Not about your Baptist, you're a Baptist or you're a Methodist, or not about any of that. Jesus Christ was none of these things. Okay? The Bible's about a relationship and it's about a person. Your religion will never save you. It's your relationship with Christ that saves you. And if you don't get that and you don't understand that, it's going to lead you to a place that you don't want to end up. I promise you. Uh, then, of course, you have the. Uh, uh, the seven uh, um, uh, characteristics of the lost moral religious man. And I'm taking all these from, from Romans chapter two, by the way. And, you know, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seemeth uh, right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Um, and and, and the, the example that Paul uses in uh, uh, Romans two is the Jew. Listen, he called themselves a Jew. Jews are supposed to know God, man. You get you kidding me, right? Oh, you can call yourself a Catholic. You can call yourself a Baptist. You can call yourself, you're resting in something. They rested in the law. They may boast of God. They knew his will. 
They approved things more excellent. They had confidence in themselves. They had a form of knowledge and truth and godliness. But the, when it was all said and done, the name of God was blasphemed through them. Verse 24. Notice Romans 2.24. Thou that thou makest boast of thy law through breaking the law, dishonoreth thou God, for the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles for you. That's the religious man. That's the pharisaical man. That's the one who thinks they know everything when the fact of the matter is they didn't allow the Bible to be their authority. Watch this now. You have the people that say I'm an atheist, right? They don't believe God exists. Uh, listen. A lost man who's hiding behind ignorance, apathy, and a blind, evil heart would be, an, would, would, would be that of an atheist. And what happens is, if God doesn't exist, now man needs to create a philosophy to answer man's problems and where man came from, okay? And, and I want to do this as quick as I can, but I want to make sure you get this. What happened is we instituted this whole, these four major issues within the the. Uh, state of man today that's the biggest problem number one is what's called humanism it's an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural uh, uh, matters leads into what's called modernism religious faiths become ill-fitted to their task and outdated in the new economical social and political environment and so what happens is um you know, well, oh, I know that that was written in the book of Leviticus that homosexuality is bad, but, but that's just not today. You see what people do? Well, wait a minute, though. If God wrote it back then, why do you think, well, that was just written during the time of Romans. That was 2,000 years ago. Things have changed. That's what modernism is. That's what ultimately lies under humanism. We just start to fit things to where we are today, thinking that God didn't know where we would be today. And all of a sudden God has become, uh, you know, a, a person who couldn't control the events of today, uh, only events thousands of years ago. Well, this ultimately leads to higher criticism. And by the way, higher criticism, uh, what it basically does is it questions the authenticity of God's word, thus for the need to ever change it. Now you wonder why we're doing what we do with all these different Bible translations. Bible versions is a real issue that should not be ignored. It really shouldn't be. What higher criticism does is it changes God's word, if you will, to fit today's society. Be careful with that, because who did you just give the authority to do that to? Do you understand where higher criticism comes from? It comes from a man. Then we have these things, there's this philosophy called Freudianism. Right? If there is no God, man's answer, to, there has to be a man that answers, that answers to human problems. And so sins are no longer relegated. Right? So, so man's problems are always someone else's fault. I mean, look what happens in many court cases today. Right? When somebody goes to trial for murder, what do we try to, what do we try to claim? Well, it happened because of the parents. It happened because of the society they lived in. It happened because of this. How about this? Dude's a sinner. He has a desperately wicked heart. His mind is corrupted, and he committed murder. He's a sinner. Stop blaming everybody else. It's not everybody else's fault. 
But that's what Freudianism does. Then, of course, you have Darwinism, man's answer to where man came from. And by the way, can I just say this? Although this is being taught in high schools and, and schools all around our nation today, isn't it interesting? It's still called Darwin's theory of evolution. The last time I checked, a theory is not facts. Yet we're teaching it as if it is fact. Matter of fact, if you really delved into Darwin's theory of evolution, you'd find out that there is a big gap within their theory that they can't prove of millions and millions of years. How many people know that? We aren't taught that in high school, but yet it's the reality of the truth. It's a theory. And of course, this comes along with the big bang. Y'all know what I'm about to say now, right? Theory. It, it's a Millions and billions and billions of years ago, nothing exploded and made something. Who came up with that idea? A man did. See, a man took the truth of God and turned it into a lie. They didn't want to believe God existed, so they had to find out another reason why, why we're all here. And so this is what they come up with, is this theory that nobody can prove, yet this is what we teach in school as if this really happened. You see what's happened? And you know what this led to, right? This led to Frederick Nitschke in 1882 saying God is dead. And, 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 and man, the, the, the result was this new philosophy of life, basically called humanism. I'm almost done, I promise you. But give me, give me about another 10, 15 minutes, man, and I'll, and I'll wrap this up. But don't lose me right now because this is going to be some pretty important stuff. It's going to kind of give you a real understanding where we are today. Listen, humanism essentially says this. The end of all being is the happiness of man. That's what humanism teaches. God's not the creator. God's not the, it's all about us. It's about how happy we are. And, and I'm not trying to diss the man. I'm not trying to diss his wife. But do remember what Joel Olstein's wife said. It's not about giving glory to God. It's about God loving us and man being happy. You must be reading, you must be reading a different book than I'm reading, lady. That's not what this book says. But I'm telling you, that's what's being it's permeating not only the societies of the world, but it has permeated the churches. Basically, life, they'll say, is all about power. And that power is its own justification. The world is just a jungle, and you have the right to gain power by any means you choose. And can I just say this? This ideology was uh, taken up by Adolf Hitler, who set out to form a race of powerful people to rule the world with him on top of the heap. So I wonder if this ideology is dangerous. Of course, uh, as, as, as time went on, this philosophy took on, a various, took on various other forms. And, 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 and as people were starting to try to find happiness within itself, we moved into this existentialism. And basically what it is, is it's, it's a philosophical theory or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through the acts of the will. So, so you know what happens now, right? Man gets to decide what's right 
Man gets to decide what's wrong. Man gets to decide what's true and what's not. And listen, if I want to do this, then guess what? Although this is wrong, I have the power to make it right in my own mind. And, and you can't tell me what to do. Who are you to tell me? Finding your happiness through sensual experience uh, started to get popularized by France in the early 1900s. It swept through our country in the 60s and the 70s, 1960s and 70s. And, and it was the whole idea, if it feels good, do it. Basically what happened is we moved into a cultural lawlessness and since God is dead, as Nishki told us in 1882, uh, what, 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 what happens is um, we can explain away everything and everything becomes irrelevant uh, in the fact that it doesn't really matter. I'll just do it if it makes me happy. Well, yeah, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't be you know, in homosexual relationships, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy because I'm the law unto myself. You see what happens? I will say this. Interestingly enough, that within the church in the early 1900s, this is when tongues, healings, rising from the dead, being slain with the spirit, all that stuff started up again. It was the whole experiencing God movement, feeling the movement of the spirit during worship, etc. Which, by the way, just so we know, had its roots in many pagan religious ideologies. But that's a different time, different story. Virtually undetected, humanism infiltrated uh, uh, every aspect of our world. And, and this was a lot more devastating uh, than that, because then what happened is it started to infiltrate our Christianity. And, and what that led to is a great divide in Christianity. Um, you know, uh, we have now gotten to this place where in those days there was no king in Israel. And every man does that which was right in his own eyes. By the way, there is no king in Israel today. Hence the reason why every man is doing that which was right in his own eyes. And what that has happened now is, is, is as it permeated the church, the church went through this great divide. We have these people called liberalists. And liberalists, uh, basically at the end of the day, what they're going to teach you is, uh, yeah, there's a God. Yeah, there's a Bible. But, but listen, the real importance watch humanism at its best the real importance is to try to live this life to be as happy as you possibly can in this life heard any messages being preached like that lately right i'll tell you that's 95 percent of churches today this morning go listen to some other messages next week man just don't do it during this time you should be out here listening to us but but i'm serious man that's the message it's your ears make you feel good about yourself so that you can go live your life for the next five days, so you can come back next Sunday, so you can make you feel super good about yourself again. It makes us look Christian. Uh, we'll even use the Bible. Uh, we'll preach it out of context, by the way, but, 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 but we look Christian. And so this whole movement of liberalism was, in com was combating humanism because there was still need for a church. People still wanted to go to church. But you just couldn't, you know, the preachers couldn't be preaching like those old time preachers did, you know, like the like the Jonathan Edwards or the or, or the uh, uh, you know some of those George Whitfield. 
people think I'm bad. Go listen to George Whitfield, man. Go read some of his sermons. That dude was on point, bro. He was nailing people big time. We don't have that kind of preaching anymore. It's not tolerated in the church anymore. But yet, it is biblical. And the whole reason why church has gone where it's gone is because of this humanism movement. Why? Because of the downward spiral. Because we had a darkened heart. Because we had a darkened mind, which has led us to these ungodly, untruthful realities. All this is being preached out of Romans 1, 2, and 3. You do know that, right? So in, 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 in the, uh, the, uh, the aftermath, in response to liberalism, that came what's called the fundamentalists, right? And they had these five fundamentals that the fundamentalists said, uh, you know, the Bible's the word of God, uh, Jesus Christ was born a virgin, uh, the, the atonement is the only thing for sin, and, and et cetera. And again, these, these fundamentals, okay, they, they were in response to what liberalism was doing. They were attacking some of these things. Um, and ultimately what led to this is if you became a fundamental, you got called a legalist. And basically what legalism is, it is a term that is used to describe a doctrinal position emphasizing a system of rules and regulations for achieving both salvation and spiritual growth. That's the biblical term of legalism. But, but you know, what's happened is, okay, where we have gotten to is if you find somebody like our church who holds the Bible as the standard and lets the Bible be the authority in, in, in the way uh, we're supposed to be conducting ourselves as Christians, we get called legalists. But let me just tell you what legalism biblically is not. Legalism is following religious ordinances and making them necessary for salvation. Okay, that's what legalism is. Legalism is not adhering to commands of the Bible that are specifically made to us. Don't confuse the lines. If I were to stand up here in this church and say, you have to attend one Baptist church to be saved. We are the one true church. If you go to any other church, you're destined for hell. That's legalism. I don't think I've ever said that. I never will say that. So I don't believe that. Okay. What I have said is there are commands in the Bible that we need to, that were specifically made to us that we need to do. And if we don't do them, there are going to be consequences. That's not legalism. That's church, my friends. That's Christianity. That is what this is all about. Okay. All right. So let me kind of wrap this up. Listen, the result is judgment is turned upside down and God is blamed for sin. Uh, and, and, and we have this twisted philosophy, if you will. Okay. And, and, and ultimately what happens is uh, God's conclusion, as we're going to see in Romans chapter three, verses nine through 18, is that all are under sin. Uh, man's view of, of judgment is, is misconstrued. Bible says that um, none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. They've all gone out of the way. They all come together unprofitable. There's none that do with good. No, not one. The final indictment is simply this. Uh, the conclusion is that man is, is corrupt in its flesh, corrupt in its nature, corrupt in its mind, corrupt in its heart, and the judge uh, is going to enter his final verdict as we see in verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, the saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world become guilty before God. 
So, so the gravel is, 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 is now in God's hands, and the verdict is announced guilty. And, and of course, what is the sentence? The sentence is the soul is sent to hell, right? Look at Matthew 10, 28. Fear not them which kill the body, but which are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, this brings us to the end of the chapter and, and where this is all, all ends. And can I just say this? After three chapters, if you will, of Paul just hammering this thing, man, finally, finally, there's light at the end of the tunnel in Romans 3, 21 to 31. And by the way, it's the only way to avoid being uh, a defendant at the great white throne judgment. Look at verse 21 with me real quick. It says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ and all upon them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past, is a forbearance of blood, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so what he's basically saying is, is simply this. God's righteousness is the only way to salvation. And so let me just end with this. If you're listening, man, I want you to understand. Despite what you think you are, despite where you think you are, despite what you've been told in church, understand what you are without Christ. Paul hammers us home so much. Don't trust in your heart. Don't trust in your mind because they are desperately wicked. They need to have Christ in them. That's why God says in Ezekiel 36 that he's going to take out that heart. He wants to rip it out. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual circumcision. He wants to take it out so he can put in his heart, so that he can pump his spiritual blood, if you will, through your body. Romans 12 is where Paul kind of brings us all to. It says, uh, you know, uh, we need to have a, a transformed mind so that ultimately when your heart is beating for God and your mind, uh, uh, Philippians 2 uh, put this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. When you get to that place, you now can start living your life as it was meant to be lived for God. And the way you do that is you need to understand that your dead spirit needs to be made alive. And that is what being born again is all about. That's what John chapter 3, what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the fact that to make this transformation take place in you, he has to come inside of you, take your dead spirit, make it alive, pull out your old heart, put his heart in you so he can transform in you into what you were meant to be. If any man be in Christ, all things are passed away. All things become new. Man, it's simple as this. You just got to repent of your sin. You got to recognize who you are. You've got to recognize what you are. You've got to recognize that you are a sin, sinful person, 
that your mind is bent towards self and that your heart is desperately wicked. You've got to understand that. And the Bible says that if you repent uh, with godly sorrow, seeing sin the way God sees it, 2 Corinthians 7.10, then what God will do is he'll now listen to your crying to him. And, and Romans 10 wraps it up by saying, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and receive Christ. See, I believe a lot of people believe the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15. They believe that Jesus died on the cross. They believe he was buried. They believe he resurrected uh, the next day or three days later. They believe that. But the problem is you got to receive it. <laughs> he said, what does that mean? Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. Christ liveth in me. You see, you need to take your body. You need to take your dead spirit. You need to take your corrupted soul and put it up on that cross with Christ and crucify it. By the way, if we had the time, I'd bring you to Romans 6 right now. And I'd read for you verses 3 through 10, which tell you what I just said. I'm not sure many of a Christian has ever done that. But that is true biblical salvation in a nutshell. So let me just end by saying, man, thank you so much for joining in with us if it's your first time. Uh, if you've been with us for these last 10 weeks, man, I, I hope this kind of all just started to go, whoa, and started to click. Uh, man is desperately wicked. And so when man wants to replace God's truth, we come up with anything else we can come up with, humanism, existentialism, uh, Freudianism, Darwinism, what, modernism, all these different philosophies that we come up with. It's just trying to replace God. And we've done it so well that it's become second nature to us now. And we just think it's okay. And even in the Christian realm, within liberalism and fundamentalism, it has permeated our, our, our thinking. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, Paul makes the point blatant. God and his word is the only authority when it comes to this matter of salvation, of, of who God is, and what God's expectations of us are. That's it. It's that simple. We said all that to say that. Got to have a heart change because your heart is who you are. If you're not living your life for Christ in every moment, then you need a heart change. Because only when the heart changes will your mind change. And only when your mind change will your actions change. And that's why James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. And so I just would highly suggest to you, man, uh, uh, if you have any questions, if you want to continue to talk about this more, if something's resonating with you and you're feeling like you need to have more conversation about this, please feel free to reach out to me or, or, or Robert uh, or whomever uh, within our church can, can help you if you know somebody personally. Please do. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. You don't need to. Um, uh, you can do it right now. Uh, you can reach out to me right now and, and we can have a conversation about it, man. At the end of the day, this church uh, for, for We do a lot of things, and we probably don't do everything right. I, I certainly don't uh, know that we can say that we do. But I know one thing we do do right, and, and we will always do right. We will make sure the Bible is our final authority. And if we're saying it, we'll show you why we're saying it. 
And, and, and that to me is the closest you can get to, to knowing the real God and, and knowing what he really wants from us. So um, again, just want to thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, next week uh, is Easter, Easter Sunday. Uh, so I certainly invite y'all to come back and listen to us. And uh, we have a great, we have a great uh, Easter message, man. So I, I hope you'll tune back in. Uh, I promise you I won't go over next week. We'll, we will end at 12 next week. Uh, but I do appreciate you taking me a little extra time today. Uh, I just felt like, man, we need to put this as a whole. I, I can't cut this one. Uh, so anyways, love you guys. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.